You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniyya al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Welcome back to the program. This is China Africa Talk. I'm Bridget Mutambira coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing with more discussions on what's happening between China and Africa from a Chinese and African perspective. This week, we continue our chat with Pahia Siririka and Francis Imakule about what they learned about China during their four-month trip around the country. And we're discussing agriculture and technologies that supports development. Pahia and Francis, it's been a few weeks since our last chat. Welcome back. Thank you for having us, Bridget. Thank you. Good Long time no see. Yeah. How have you guys been in your respective countries? No, yeah. Here, you in Namibia. Francis, you there in Uganda? Uh, Uganda as well. Uh, we're experiencing very heavy rains. I think this time around, I wish I was in Uganda to experience that rain because in Namibia, temperature has gone as low as a minus two. That's how cold it is in the central and the southern parts of the country. But now I'm actually in the northern parts of the country okay. and the temperatures are 15 and 25. So uh, it's hot, but yeah, we're breathing. That's all that matters. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Okay. So today we're talking about agriculture in China and technologies that supports its development. When you guys were here, did you visit any centers or facilities in China related to agriculture? To be honest, by the time PJ and the colleagues uh, visited the agriculture centers, I think I was not in position to do that. Okay. Uh, I remember we were having a separate meeting, but uh, before we had a separate meeting on the same journey, because we got separated during that journey when we were going to some agriculture center. I don't quite remember the place, but it was within Beijing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was within Beijing. Is it not the Haidan district, okay. but it's that side. Yeah, we were exposed to mostly that side of the agricultural aspect was on food production. Okay. And we were quite enlightened about the methods that the Chinese government has taken to ensure mass production of food. Mm-hmm. There were also samples for us to taste. We had okay. quail eggs, we had chicken, we mm-hmm. had beef, we had quite a variety of food that are mostly consumed in China. And just going through the steps of the whole production processes of, you know, when a machine is assisting with the whole packaging of this, how it happens and why it happens in that essence. Mm. What stood out for me was the focus on mass production. I mean, with the 1.4 billion population, Mm -hmm. additional, you know, number being visitors and so forth, the Chinese government really takes these food production in masses seriously because people need to eat and therefore you need to really capacitate and ensure that food is produced in high volume. So I think that was a very important agricultural center and exposure to see how the Chinese government does things. Imagine this is one of the institutions that's tasked with ensuring that food is taken all over China. Mm. So that was an interesting thing to see. So this was in Beijing, in the capital. Did you have like any rural experiences though, like in the rural areas? Yeah, there was uh, that place where we spoke to the lady who who is in charge of assisting farmers when it comes to producing fish in large mm. content. 
Okay. That is a mini rural China.、Mm. So this is a lady taking up the task of a, a cooperative among Chinese,、mm. where they harvest fish and they let it idle so that it can get dry, and then it's packaged and then transported all over China. So that was、oh, the mini rural China that we're exposed to. And I think you did an interview,、uh, Francis. Yeah, but just yeah, that, that was in how... Changsha. In Changsha. Yeah, it was in Changsha. And Changsha. Actually, Hunan, Hunan province. Hunan province.、Right? Where, yeah.、Uh, Hunan province, where, where the the village that PJ is talking about is、mm -hmm. where air dried、okay. fish is being produced, and like the small ones or the, the big ones actually.、Okay. For me, what really stood out for me in that in that so called rural area that we could barely notice was rural. <laughs> was that the people that are practicing the agriculture there were into sand mining. After government realized that the sand mining was affecting、uh, the quality of fish, and、mm. some fish were actually getting extinct、mm. in the lake, they decided to find for them an alternative means of making money.、Mm -hmm. So that was、uh, creating an industry for them in air dried fish to create an alternative source of income, while the different fish species thrive again in the lake, and several birds come and visit the place, and it became. A bird watching area、right. for several tourists that come in the place. While on the other hand,、mm -hmm. you know, villagers and residents are actually trying to make money、mm -hmm. of an activity, but doing it safely. Whereby government rations how the fishing is being done right now, and we came to learn that the fish actually generates quite a lot of money. Okay, okay. in that particular、yes. area, and empl employs a lot of people. Right. In your countries, do you have similar projects like this? Or、well, let's start with the major crops that are farmed in your countries. Here, well, Namibia is one of the hottest in terms of weather condition. It's pretty hot and dry almost throughout the whole year,、yeah. and even the cold that we're experiencing, it's a very dry cold.、Uh, so we don't experience humidity here. I mean, that's why we are known for having the Namib Desert and all of this、mm. stuff. But besides that, maize or corn is quite one of the largest crops that you would find in a lot of crop enthusiasts. Apart from that, because you know, from corn you can make all of this stuff, so and and that becomes a staple food、right. uh, that can be eaten with with whatever, whether it's spinach, whether it is. Uh, meat. We are also、uh, very much into meat, especially beef.、Mm. I mean, that's where we have gotten the accolade of being the only African country that exports good quality raw beef、mm. to China.、Mm. Right. But mostly, depending on the area in the country. For example, the southern parts is more dry, so crop is not really their forte. They are more into animals. For an example,、mm -hmm. if you head、yeah. to the northern parts of the country, it's a little bit clay, loamy scent, which is sometimes seen as a good nutritional value for crops, whether it is cabbage, whether it is、uh, corn, whether it is spinach, whether it is carrots, tomatoes. It's here from Francis. Well, Uganda is really diverse with the agricultural produce. Okay. But for now, I think like many people know, matoke is a major major crop. The people in the central who are called the Baganda. Okay. They're mostly known for growing matoke. Matoke has green bananas. Okay. But green bananas have a sort of like almost doesn't have a taste. It's、okay. like、uh, what we would call pounded yam.、Mm -hmm. And then the people in in Western Uganda are known for cattle keeping and then production of Irish potatoes. And then for us who come from the eastern part of the country, we are known for millet. 
So okay. we produce a lot of millet and, and cassava. So, yeah, as well as the people from the northern part of Uganda, it's millet, cassava. When it comes to commercial crops, coffee is a big deal here in Uganda also for export and also domestic use. Let's talk about the training that the farmers in your countries get. What kind of training do they receive? Yeah, Trainings are not specifically carried out by maybe agriculture organizations in okay. Uganda, but several private entities practice these trainings. For example, my media house, which is New Vision, we always have a, a trade expo called Harvest Money, the Harvest Money Expo. Variety of farmers are called to exhibit their crops and different varieties that have money to come up with and then sell to the people as well as also be educated on several agricultural farming practices, fertilizers to use, what machineries to use. So more, it's more like they invite people that have made it in farming mm -hmm. and then those that are trying to get into the same field are trained by these experts that have come to exhibit what they have put in place in terms of development of organic fertilizers, value-added feeds for cattle and chicken. It's mostly initiatives that are being carried out by private entities. And sometimes the Ministry of Agriculture also comes in to provide these these trainings. For me, that's basically how I stand in my country. How about in Namibia? Well, we have institutions like Agra Namibia, that is basically an institution that is responsible for the distribution of locally produced products. Okay. I have noticed that they are having yearly uh, events or trainings for farmers in rural areas, specifically rural areas. For example, profit-driven cattle breeding. Mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, you know for a country for a country like Namibia that is solely on large and small livestock and crops, mm -hmm. they are starting to tap into pig farming. They are tapping into rabbit farming mm -hmm. as well. So mm -hmm. introduction to rabbit farming, something that also aligns with the way Chinese have been doing stuff. I've seen a lot of training on horticulture, mm. animal nutrition, the importance of coexisting with animals, plants, and humans. So yeah, it, yeah. it's very important. But at the same time, uh, you know very well that plants and animals can give humans diseases. So yes. there have been trainings that uh, highlight the importance of coexisting with these things. Uh, farm water infrastructure management related training is also very important. So there are also training on the importance of maintaining and keeping all of this stuff very safe. Mm. Um, you have Agri Namibia. This is a bank that takes pride in offering financial aid or services to farmers, uh, production input, um, the acquisition of land, uh, harvesting. Mm -hmm. They have offered trainings on the processing and marketing of agricultural products. Right. So these are the trainings I have quite covered in terms of agriculture. Some farmers take it seriously, others are just like, oh. Yeah. Are there any experiences so far in your countries with the use of 5G drones or other technologies in agriculture? Well, for me, it's um, 5G is really something that is new in my country here. Okay. And it's a developing process that has been ongoing from 2020 especially from our media telecommunication companies like MTN and Airtel. Mm -hmm. But thank God, recently, just in, I think a week ago, Airtel launched his first 5G headquarters in Uganda. So probably we might have to more often use these 5G services. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the technology of 5G in Uganda, like again, from the exports that I've talked about, the Harvest Money Expos, eh? Mm -hmm the experts that come with this state-of-the-art technologies just to open many Ugandans into a new space of 
you know, agriculture technology and mechanization mm-hmm. that is using 5G technology in terms of the drones. Mm-hmm. It's called, uh, is it is it Kira Motors? Kira Motors. Okay. It's either Kira Motors, I'm not, I'm not quite sure about the name, but it's one of the companies that was exhibiting uh, at the expo. And to them, what they use the 5G technology is to provide real-time crop monitoring and also give farmers timely decision-making when it comes to the harvest and pest management. Okay. So what they do basically is that they're a private entity. So mm-hmm. if you need quick expertise that need apt information about decision-making, these people come into a place to help you make decisions. And also for, for maybe this is not for the drones, but this is for uh, tractors. The okay. International University of East Africa recently innovated a tractor that uses 5G technology okay. to, for example, monitor seeds, mm-hmm. also planting of seeds, but basically designed for the rural areas. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. Do you have any Chinese agriculture projects that you've heard of or um, are familiar with? Yeah, we we, we are uh, very much into um ideas, uh, spontaneous ideas when it comes to our Chinese counterparts. There is a hybrid rice project that was initiated by the Chinese government where the the, the experts came to Namibia just to enlighten Namibian rice production farmers on how to increase their production. So the project, it it enhances rice production, particularly through the introduction of uh, production technologies, Mm. the techniques, the management strategies. And this agronomic aspect also enlightens the need for countries to work together at that level when it comes to food production and the introduction of, um, you know, modern methods of operating in an agricultural space. That is a very evident agricultural aspect between Namibia and the Chinese government as far as agriculture is concerned. There's that rice project. Mm -hmm. They do, however, fund or aid in farmers when it comes to the irrigation system. Okay. Uh, the, The installation of pipes in the ground and then the the spraying, the installing of sprays, whether it is pest control, whether it is a hydroponic system that needs to be put somewhere. Just the aspect of horticulture, the Chinese government is really much present in that they have given that skills transfer that you're talking about mm-hmm. to local farmers so that they can produce good quality stuff that that, that, is, of, that is of international standard. I mean, with a population of 1.2 million, I think we are doing relatively well in terms of agriculture mm. and the implementation of of this um, of this new method. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to 5G and all of this, uh, I think the crippling or the biggest obstacle is is or sometimes is network coverage. Right. That tends to be a little bit of a problem. You have the mobile telecommunication services, that's MTC. Mm. You have TN Mobile. It's not 
covering the whole country as it should, although MTC does cover more than 90%, there are still some areas that would suffer because of no network. Mm-hmm. And that, that is something to be you know, looked at. But I think other methods that uh, should be tapped into, especially by farmers, is uh, the, the tracing of lost or stolen animals, mm-hmm. whether it is putting magnets in tags or ear tags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the Chinese government can, can really introduce that in terms of uh, resources or equipment. Uh, other than that, because we, we are fighting a lot of poaching-related incidents here. So these are some of the areas that needs to be exhausted as far as maintaining this whole agricultural industry is concerned. We all agree that, you know, there is something happening with regards to agriculture. There's all these um, ideas and, and, and the, all these examples that you've both shared. But Africa is still facing food shortages despite having more unused arable land than any other continent in the world. Why Why is this and what do you think should be done? Uh, that question is depressing. Mm. And <laughs> I really, I've always had this conversation with PJ and uh, I feel like... Um, the main reason why Africa has arable land and yet we suffer a lot from food shortages because our people have not yet learned to prioritize where we need to put our energies most. Mm. And and I think it's because for me, I would brutally be honest, I feel like our, our, our countries and policymakers do not understand what is how unique our historical background and our cultural background is. Mm. You know, we go to these African countries, do the benchmarking and come back to our countries Mm -hmm. and focus on technological advancement. Yes, we need it, but it's not a priority. We need to be known for something. Mm. And the only way we can be known for something is by doing things that we can easily prosper at. For example, we have land. Our governments need to prioritize in agricultural development, agricultural research, agricultural mechanization, so that we have abundance in the countries that we live in. But right now, Governments are struggling with uh, technological 5G. 5G is coming in place, but are we ready? Mm. Uh, they're talking about uh, e-cars. E do mm. we need them? We, well, we might need them, but do we need them now? But imagine if a country prioritized in you know investing a big, a larger budget into agriculture mechanization mm. and mass production, there would be nothing to do with hunger in, in mm. Africa, if you right. ask me. Imagine China, a country that has very little arable land, mm-hmm. is able to feed almost half of the world population in a very short period of time. But Africa, we have very abundant arable soil, but we can barely do that. We still ask for help from these people that are doing so much with so little. I think there's a problem with prioritization, if you ask me. But is there much that Africa can benefit from China's experiences in rural development? I mean, China has succeeded in feeding 1.4 billion, just um, almost like how you've just highlighted that about one-fifth of the world's population with less than 10% of the world's arable land and less than 7% of the world's water resources. Is there much that we could actually benefit from China's experience? Bridget, um, one of the, uh, sorry to to, to get in there, one of the very important steps that the Chinese government has taken, and these are conversations that I've had with people from the industry, Mm -hmm. is the Chinese government does give land to people. It it gives opportunity to people. It gives finance. It it, it aids them. It gives them the resources that they need so that they can thrive in this agricultural sector. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity should be accorded. Here in Namibia, we are fighting over land. We are fighting over land because Mm -hmm. it is very difficult for you to get land. And we are 
you know, for you to be on a waiting list to be uh, accorded a farm, you need to wait for a very long time. You need to have a certain number of animals for you to be given a farm or to be resettled. So when it comes to this, it, I think I think it is very important. I don't know the involvement of women and youth in China's agricultural sector mm-hmm. in Namibia. Uh, they are trying to rope in the youth and women specifically that. But the biggest problem sometimes, and the youth who I've spoken to are saying, but, you know, we want uh, collateral free loans yeah. so that we can enhance our production, so that we can work. How is it possible that as a 30-year-old Namibian, I'm getting le- uh, uh, a loan from a bank to operate uh, uh, my, my farm, but the collateral that they are putting there is or they need collateral for that, or the loan has, you know, an interest. The interest is heavy. How am I going to survive and keep my head above the water if I don't have anything to fall on? So I think, uh, again, Francis highlighted it and summed it up very well. The prioritizing is just messed up. And they need to go back to the drawing board because they do realize the importance of agriculture. So they need to go back to the drawing board and really create a convenient and an easy way for people to thrive in the industry. Okay, so during you guys' time, uh, when you guys were here with other members of the group, from what you guys observed, is there any example Mm -hmm. of how China's experience and best agricultural practices could benefit Africa? Well, for me, what I mostly observed is the infrastructure, you know. For example, in my observation, I felt like China has invested in rural infrastructure development, you know, mm-hmm. and this includes roads, bridges, irrigation systems, and rural electrification, you know. And from my observation, with this in place, farmers are able to easily access the market, take their produce to the market, mm-hmm. access healthcare, you know, go to education facilities, easy, but come home here. <laughs> The roads are terrible, so the farmer is going to be limited to the village market that he knows that he can walk to, help produce at its lowest price, as opposed to when he or she had easy access to the market with a good road, you know, mm-hmm. with easy transport means. They could take it to town and sell for maybe twice the price or at least more of the price that he or she would have sold the, 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 the same produce in the village where it gets very low prices. Secondly... I feel like rural industrialization in Uganda, for example, very few industries are being put in the villages simply because everyone thinks the money is in town. Mm. But in China, you realize that these people are promoting rural industrialization. There are cottage enterprises that have contributed to balanced regional development. You know, I feel like this is an opportunity African countries can explore to stimulate local economics you know, strength and develop small-scale industries and value-added agricultural processes. Mm-hmm. And these are things that, are China, that China is doing so much with ease. And it's because they have people at the center of their planning and priori- prioritizing the interests of the people and what they can do best. Okay. PJ, how about, do you have any yes. that you'd like to add on? Is there any example of how China's experience and best agriculture practices could benefit Africa from what you observed? No, um, it's a good thing that Francis um, literally summed up everything. Okay. Uh, priorita- uh, prioritization is very important in the sector. Infrastructure is very important. It serves no purpose for people in deep rural Namibia mm-hmm. to be afforded the opportunity to have crops and to specialize in their various type of farming activities. Mm. But when it comes to them taking their produce to the nearby towns 
it's a hassle to get this. I mean, agriculture is one of the most, it's such a crucial uh, sector here in Namibia. Everyone depends, indirectly or directly, depends on agriculture. Mm. And if those at the forefront of this are not prioritizing and trying to, to, to make things easy, then it's going to be a problem. So I think we, we really need to prioritize, go back to the drawing board, fix things around the agricultural sector and see how we, we can take things from there. And China is, is a perfect example um, where you will find each place that is industrialized. Mm. And that means that I don't need to move to a certain place. Yeah. I can just make my own uh, produce here and sell to my people. I don't need to travel uh, hundreds of kilometers so that I can sell my tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I should be able to do that here because everything is here. Right. Francis and Pahia, thank you so much on what you guys learned during your four-month stay in China and enlightening us on agriculture and the technologies that support its development. Listeners, we value your feedback. For any comments on this episode, drop us an email on audionewsroom at cgtn.com. Until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.